The best games, the best fans, the best on the bayou. The best, the best. The best ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion! With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Welcome into the Great Scott Show coming at you on a Friday. Raging Cajun baseball season begins tonight. College baseball season begins today. It is here. It is that time of year. I'm fired up. UC Irvine coming to MLT Moorefield at Russo Park tonight. Drew Shiplett gets the start for Louisiana. They are opening up their 99th season. Of college baseball. Six o'clock tonight over there at MLT Moore uh, Field at Russo Park. Catch the radio call over on our sibling station, News Talk 96.5 KPEL. Jay Walker, Brad Topham have the uh, the call. Shiflet, for those that don't know, junior right-hander, transferred from Texas, getting the start in the Friday opener, which I don't know was a big surprise. I think folks that have been following closely expected that when it was announced yesterday. But... Here you go, hosting a ranked opponent right out of the gate. And UC Irvine is the first of 16 games the Cajuns have this season against teams that were in uh, NCAA regional play last year. It's going to be fun. It's going to be great atmosphere. Look forward to seeing you all out there. We're going to talk more college baseball later in the show in the 8 o'clock hour. Speaking of the 8 o'clock hour, Louisiana Raging Cajun Director of Athletics, Dr. Brian Maggard, will be in at 8.15 We'll talk a little bit about the baseball team, about Conference USA, the holdup, what it means to the Sun Belt. Will they or won't they release football schedules? What's the weight? What's the what's it like behind the scenes? We're going to get into all of that with him. Gus Kattengill, our Saints and Pelicans correspondent, will be joining me as well in the next segment, as he does every Friday. We'll uh, maybe even talk a little college baseball, but we'll talk plenty of Saints and Pels as well. I'll talk about the Pels-Mavs game last night a little later. Talk about the latest on Zion. Uh, so, loaded show coming up. You don't want to miss it. We'll talk about the Cajun basketball game from last night a little later as well. But short opening segment. One thing I'm going to ask Gus about, obviously, is sort of the the next quarterback of the Saints. And I got some emails yesterday after dropping the story about the latest betting odds on who the next quarterback is going to be. It's not a surprise. If you wanted to take just a straight bet on who will take the first snap of the 2022 season for the Saints, Jameis Winston is at plus 500. What's interesting is Jimmy Garoppolo being in there at plus 800. This is from the bookies.com website. Now, Garoppolo, one year left on his deal. There's been a 
few people that have mentioned maybe a candidate to be traded to the Saints. He's in the last year of his contract. You're not going to give up much for him. There's talk that San Francisco may even release him outright, which I don't buy. I wouldn't put money on Garoppolo. I mean, Garoppolo, really? Now, what about Russell Wilson? Well, Wilson, oddly enough, it, it depends on what the bet is. If you wanted to place a bet on where he'll play next season, and the best odds, obviously, are minus something, and it's going to remain in Seattle. But if you start looking at him changing teams, well, then the Saints are at plus 400. But it's an entirely different bet. He's not even listed on the board for who's going to take the first half of the 2022 season in New Orleans. I mean, that's... that's you, you've got... Jameis Winston at plus 500, Taysom Hill at plus 550, and you have Jimmy Garoppolo and Blake Bortles at plus 800. It ain't going to be Bortles, sorry. Matt Corral, they're going to draft him out of Ole Miss, and he's going to start week one? No. For what it's worth, Ian Book is plus 1,300. For what it's worth, he and Hill are the only two players under contract currently for the Saints. We'll talk some more football in the next segment with Gus Kangiel. College baseball begins today. LSU hosting Maine over there in Baton Rouge. Blake Money going to get the start for the Tigers tonight. Uh, new head coach Jay Johnson said, you know, he, he, he got the start because of the strike zone pressure with three pitches and that he throws multiple pitches for strikes and that he doesn't see a big drop-off in him whenever he gets to pitch number 60, number 70. And, then, you know, think about Jay Johnson, at least when he was at Arizona, my one, I guess negative critique because he's a good coach was just at least when they made that run to the world series years ago and i remember seeing him over at at the teague was how much he threw guys how much he used the arms uh overdoing it i don't know i mean that was years ago and we'll see what happens uh this season and uh, louisiana again first pitch tonight six o'clock over at ml teague field at russo park it's here, college baseball. All right, coming up on the Great Scott Show, Gus Cattengill, Saints and Pelicans correspondent, is going to join me in the next few segments. Louisiana Raging Cajun Director of Athletics, Dr. Brian Maggard, going to be joining me in the 8 o'clock hour at 8.15. We'll have some open phone lines in the 8 o'clock hour as well. Definitely, definitely, definitely looking forward to all that. Keep it locked in right here. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. I'm Scott Prather coming to you from the ESPN Lafayette studio sponsored by Bet Rivers. You're listening to us, Bet Rivers Studio. You can download the Bet Rivers Sportsbook app, the best Louisiana sports betting experience. Learn more at betrivers.com. Don't forget, Patty in the Park, St. Patty's Day, Thursday, March 17th. Talk about a lineup, Park International, downtown Lafayette. We're talking Clay Cormier. Quad City DJs, Rob Bass, Tone Loke, and of course, my guy Wayne Toops. Get your tickets now at eventbrite.com. That is Patty in the Park, sponsored by Bud Light Next and Go Auto Insurance. Don't go anywhere. Great Scott Show continues right after this. one place where you can really let the referees know exactly how you feel. This is NFL, which stands for not for long when you make them calls. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. 
This is the one place where you can really let the referees know exactly how you feel. This is the NFL, which stands for not for long when you make them calls. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Great Scott Show Friday edition from the ESPN Lafayette studio, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Every day at Bet Rivers Sportsbook, Louisiana, you'll find specials, daily boosted odds, parlays of the day, and more. Download the Bet Rivers Sportsbook app, the best Louisiana sports betting bet, sports betting experience. Learn more at betrivers.com. We're going to learn more in this next segment here, the Pro Nola segment with our guy, Gus Cattengill, Saints and Pelicans correspondent. Gus, um, you know, obviously we, we talk a lot of Saints and Pels when you're on. I know that, um, you know, you and I talk college baseball a little bit. Season starting today. Folks are excited in Baton Rouge. Folks are excited in New Orleans. Certainly folks are excited here in Lafayette and Cajun country. Matt Deggs' squad getting underway tonight against the 14th-ranked UC Irvine Anteaters. Uh, college baseball, you've tried out for a triple A AAA team, which we've talked about in the past. And, folks, if they don't know the backstory, maybe we'll revisit it one day. But uh, are you are you a little excited, a little buzz around college baseball, or are you not quite there yet? No, man, I always am, to be honest with you. So you and I have talked about this in the past, but I think this state has unbelievable baseball, dude. And just you can kind of play it pretty much year-round at a lower level. And, you know, I've had several people that kind of start at the youth level, four or five years old, all the way on, you know, academies or what have you, getting kids playing baseball at a very early age. So... I'm not surprised, man. It's crazy to see just how good it is. And you and I have talked about this, but I think it's incredible to have the amount of schools that are either regional schools or can compete because, Scott, you and I have talked about this throughout the season. There are certain schools, the LSU, about national championships winning in the SEC, you get that. But then you look around the lake, Towards the South Shore, Wood Park, even North Louisiana, you know, even in Baton Rouge, other than LSU, Southern and stuff. That these are teams that are battling regional spots, battling the host regional spots, or you know, being the mix for conference championships. So I love it because what it does got is it makes midweek games interesting for a lot of schools. You know, and again, I understand. You know, for LSU and some other schools, you're just trying to Johnny Hole staff it and get to, you know, the weekend. But I think increasingly the last couple of seasons, and talking to head coaches, I feel like Sunday starters have become more important for a lot of schools. And I talked to Blake Dean at UNL. You almost have to have that Tuesday guy that can at least get you three, four innings to get started to try to get you that win against the ranked team or something. So I love it because we have different levels within the state. But at the same time, we have a whole handful of teams got that I think can get in the postseason play. So it, it literally makes non-conference and conference action something you got to keep an eye on. Yeah, man. Um, college baseball in the South and then, you know, over in California, If if for folks that are into it, you get some good ball, but particularly here in the state of Louisiana, as you said, across the state, 
Uh, you have guys drafted every year. You have teams in the regionals, in the tournament every single year. And uh, there's just something about being at the ballpark, man. I, I don't know. There is, um, there is uh, better words, of magic to it. I don't know. I, I know it's cheesy, but there's just something about baseball and, and being in person and being at the ballpark. It's hard. You can't, you can't recreate it. You know, I know folks talk a lot about MLB and TV ratings and everything like that, and that's all – it's who knows. I mean, who knows when MLB is even going to play this year? I mean, pitchers and catchers would have reported earlier this week, and it didn't happen. Is there in a, a a labor dispute? But I don't know. There's there's nothing quite like being at the ballpark, you know. There really isn't. Obviously, when you look at the game experience, too, man. You know, kind of this in a negative way. It's just kind of reality. Got to to the point where. Not many places, man, you can go and not drop a Benjamin. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so you can still go to college baseball games, have the sights and smells, popcorn, peanuts, nachos, you know, and, and enjoy yourself. And I think college baseball programs really in the last couple of years have done a great job of making a family atmosphere. You have certain days of the week where kids get in the bases, you know, a lot of the tall parts that kind of adjusted to having play areas, you know, dog days, and just all kinds of different things that I think make it a real family experience, man. And, you know, when you compare it to either football or just pro sports, I think it's uh, easily one of the best partners around. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Uh, if you have your ticket, we'll see you out tonight over at uh, Russo Park at ML Teague Field, 6 o'clock first pitch, Louisiana versus UC. Irvine. All right, Gus, let's talk some Saints for a moment. Pete Carmichael is the offensive coordinator. We learned that, I guess, late Wednesday night. What do you make of this situation? I mean, it, it, I think if it, if this is like not news like this week, but was news last week when Dennis Allen was promoted and they decided he was going to be their head coach, if it was, yeah, Pete Carmichael will be the OC. I mean, he's already the OC. You know, he's sticking around. If he had left altogether, and they did a search, I think, well, they would have hired someone else. Kind of the way it was a little confounding, I guess, from the outside, right? It was, well, he's going to stay, but he's probably not going to be the OC. Then, okay, he's 50. He's been the OC for, you know, over 11 years, and he called plays in 2012. I, what's going on? He doesn't want the OC job, but he wants the what's – so then they go and interview people, and then ultimately they just – some people look at it as a positive – Others are saying the sky is falling. I just look at it from the outside of it. It's somewhat confounding just because it's a little different. What do you make of, of Pete Carmichael as still the OC, but kind of rehired as the OC in a weird way? I think you kind of broke it down the best way you can. I think it's the, the journey to that point that makes it confusing, right? I think we sat here and so one of the reasons and one of the things that I think made Dennis Allen favorite is what continuity, keeping the staff together, kind of running with what you had based on the personnel you had, et cetera. And you and I have said, hey, you elevate Ryan Nielsen, or Chris Richard to defensive coordinator, you move up to Carmichael to OC. You know, start 
start practicing, right? I mean, that's kind of what we all kept saying after Sean retired. So I think, to your point, if that's how it would have been done immediately, I don't think anybody said anything, but that's kind of the reason why everybody thought he was a favorite. I think if the appearance that you did on this massive surge and brought in different people that didn't get people kind of thinking and looking at, oh, maybe they're looking at a different direction. Maybe seeing the moves being made, acquisitions on the offensive side of the ball that kind of gets you thinking, all right, well, maybe he wasn't happy with the way the offense had been running in New Orleans. So, look, it makes sense in that for the majority of the personnel that you have, you have a guy that understands it. It's probably easier to go with an offensive scheme that the majority offensively knows. And, again, I think one of the reasons that Dennis Allen is a bit that I argued for was just that, right? This isn't the Giants or other teams looking for identity, trying to find what you have. Man, COVID and injuries kept the safety playoffs. So you essentially have a playoff team. So it doesn't make sense to kind of just reinvent the wheel and start from scratch. So you essentially have a team that I think smartly, you could probably just start practice again and, and get moved, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So uh, my only argument would be like, you, you still, like the offense, obviously you have to improve the personnel because yeah, they, they were close to being a playoff team last year and there were a lot of injuries, but the offense was still mm-hmm. terrible. You know, I think it was no, 100% because, of, because of Sean Payton, it was like, well, he's doing a masterful job because we had a long track right. record of him doing well. And so it was more about him overcoming odds as opposed to, you know, it's still really bad. You know, um, so can Carmichael like it? Look, in 2012, the defense was historically bad and the offense was great, but it also had great personnel. Like what what is he going to do as the play caller with? You know, what the odds have Jameis Winston as the likely guy to be the QB next year. We talked about this on your show this week. I think I think all signs are pointing to that. Um, but, I, you know, do you get Michael Thomas back? And we'll talk about him in a minute. Like, I don't, I don't really have an issue with Carmichael as the OC. It just – some people looked at it as, oh, it was just the Saints being thorough. I get being thorough if you're looking for the head coach, absolutely. But if you're a, a guy that's promoted to be the head coach and you've been on the staff with Carmichael for multiple, many years on, on two different stints, two different occasions, you would think he would already kind of know. I, I don't know. The, it, it, it was somewhat strange at the end of the day. You know what? They just have to improve more than anything if, if Carmichael's going to have any kind of success. I think there's three things there, right? So what I wanted to finish with was what you kind of started with. I think an absolutely point what you're thinking at quarterback then, right? Because if you're thinking about bringing in somebody you either don't know or just a quarterback, then that probably doesn't make sense. But when I saw that Wednesday night, I'm like, I will give you something. That's what I thought immediately. When you saw me, when you get into it, you said, Michael Thomas, kind of him and CD Booth becoming BFS. Yeah, that was funny. You know, the last that was funny. <laughs> yeah, so we'll get to that in a sec, but 
look, I think it does point to Jameis. And, you know, like, again, you have a lot of those young receivers. They kind of already know the scheme. Do you want to risk bringing somebody in that shows different aspects of it? If you decide to go RPO and do different practices in case some, this guy's already done it. So, look, and I also think, Scott, we can't be oblivious to the situation that's going on right now. And you have to be thorough. You have to interview several people and does a number of things that shows that you are being thorough. I also think it also gets different people's opinions on your personnel. I said that even in the head coaching search. It may not be a bad thing if somebody's crossing you that you know you weren't expecting, Scott, and say how your radio show is going. You know, what's good, what's not. Uh, not a friend. Somebody that say wants to be a program director. So we've been listening on how to improve it. Or we've been listening as to what's good and what's something that can grow. And I think that's possibly too. When you look at the coordinators that they hot that they interviewed for AC, you have a guy that, you know, kind of an RPO mastermind in Montgomery. You have a guy in Jake Rudin that's been a multi team offensive coordinator with a multitude of quarterbacks. Um, so it makes sense to kind of pick their brains, you know? Hey, so let me ask you if Taysom's a quarterback, how would you, hey, let me ask you, you know, James is a quarterback, how would you, hey, say Matt Corral falls to us instead of him, how would you use him? And I, I wonder if that's not what they did, man. You're right. I mean, it's sort of like if a position opened up in my place or your place, Scott, and there was an opportunity to bring each other on board and make that place stronger. I already know, right? Do I have to interview you? I mean, I already know. I mean, if I'm calling you, I'm already thinking, I've already worked with you, I already know kind of what you bring. So now part of that interview process with him too is, you know, do you want to take that responsibility of being the sole play caller and things of that nature? You know, and again, we haven't really heard anything from Dennis Allen specifically. It's always reports, right? It's reports that he didn't want to be the OC. It's going to stick around. It, it could be that that report was mixed in with, hey, this guy's going to make a ton of changes, but even be Pete Carmine. And there was a ton of changes, right? I mean, whole line coach, receivers coach. So maybe that's how that report was said by a source. It was taken as well. It might even include Pete Carmichael. It could have been all along, hey, Pete, we see what's out there. Do you want to do it or not? Maybe he wants to do it. Maybe he looked around and said, you know, maybe he's the best guy. Maybe he didn't intend to. And they went down the hallway and said, you know, at the end of the day, you're better than all these guys. You know, why don't you do it? No, by the way, they said this is how to reduce some of our personnel. What do you think of that? So I think at the end of the day, it boils down to this for me. It's why you hired Dennis Allen. Why you hired Dennis Allen? Familiarity with the scheme, familiarity with the system, familiarity with the same way, familiarity with the staff, why you went with it. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Gus Cagnell, our guest, Saints and Pelicans correspondent. This is the Great Scott Show. You're listening to us via the ESPN Lafayette stream, whether it be on the app, 
mobile device, connect the cars and on smart speakers. That is brought to you by Champagne's Market and the Oil Center. Champagne's going the extra mile. Gus, let's um, let's let's talk about uh, uh, Michael Thomas for a moment. Ian Rappaport had the, the the story, I guess, last weekend about Thomas finally being back in New Orleans and being in a good place, and he and the team are moving forward, and they have no intention in trading him, and and all that was good, I guess. Which stuck out to me was that he had to go to New York for a while to get more procedures, more rehab, more work done on the ankle. And, you know, it it, it shows you how disastrous that injury was. I mean, we're going on the start of the injury all the way back to what? Like week one of the 2020 season. And here we are, and you're through the 2021 season. And they desperately need him in the offense. And he's scrubbing Instagram and putting one post up and it's a Kobe Bryant video about demon mode work and him and CD Deuce are exchanging pleasantries on Twitter about getting together and working their tails off. And for folks that need a quick refresher, Michael Thomas once punched CD Deuce during a practice and Thomas was suspended by the team and everybody on the team CD Deuce's back, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and not Thomas's back. It was very telling for a number of reasons, but you know, what do you make of Thomas? Um, because when it comes to this cat, whenever he speaks to the media, he doesn't really say much. He sometimes gets upset and just cuts it off. He does a lot of his talking just on social media. And since he hadn't done much talking on the field, since he hasn't really played, uh, what what is your take on Rappaport's report and really Thomas's future with the Saints? Are they going to get that guy, the Thomas that – still holds the NFL record for most receptions in a single season. Are they going to get that guy back next season? Or is it going to be a different version of Thomas? What are your thoughts? Don't know. <laughs> Don't know. You can hope for him to be the player he was. But, man, it's what I've been telling you. He steps on the field and was that first play of the season. Basically looking at three seasons since he broke up. Which he shouldn't have been on the field in the first place. What was Sean Payton doing? Stupid to have him out there late in the game. They've already won trying to run up the score. Petty. That's crazy. That's crazy. Um, A, how about he doesn't have to know what it and actually bought to get out the way. He got rolled up on. I mean, that's nothing you can do about that A and B. You have your guys on the field. So I don't blame that at all. But, you know, you look at it from this perspective, it's up to him, right? Whether it's his attitude, whether it's his desire, it is all up to him. Now, if you listen to Drew, he said his work ethic solid, tries to work at the quarterback, and I even brought it up on our show. I mean, the guy had two games where he's had 11 receptions, and Taysom Hill And I don't think it takes him as the surveyor of the field, accurate, back shoulder, genius quarterback. So if I can get 11 balls from that guy, then he's the reason he broke records, right? But what I've been saying since the last two years, you know, you're kind of stuck. Both sides are stuck with each other right now. And it's similar to Zion in the palace. One needs to play if he wants to leave. And the other needs him to play if they want to get better and then shift. No matter how you look at it, both sides need that player to play. The Saints need him. Makes the receiving court better. Whoever your quarterback is will be better. It immediately helps you 
by putting him on the field. Period. He does. For him, he ain't getting a second contract. He ain't going wherever he wants to go if he can't show that he can stay on the field. So he has to come out. He has to show he's about the team. He has to show that he works hard. He has to show that he's healthy. And more importantly, he has to show he can produce. And that's the only way you can get back on field. I mean, Edel Beckham Jr., very similar situation in that that production was hit with injuries. He thinks he had to at least get on the field. And by getting on the field at Cleveland, you know, you had media and everybody pulling together, you know, video clips of Baker not throwing to him and stuff like that. But at least he was on the field and it showed, hey, this guy can still run routes. This guy can still catch the ball. He's just not getting thrown the ball. But he had to get back on the field, right? So the same thing with Michael Thomas. Got to get back on the field. Got to show he can be productive. And, and then we can move on one way, shape, or form, right? He can make more money, get a big contract, go down as one of the best in history in this, in this uh, organization. If he wants to go somewhere else, then you have value. I mean, the same thing I tell our colleagues that every single day, trades I, and I'm like, what are you getting for? I mean, he's no issue. You have to wait to try to get some value. You cannot ship a guy right now that's not playing. So I get everybody has a feeling toward him uh, in the city, and it's not created by media like he and others have claimed or fans. I mean, like he said, Scott, he hasn't endeared himself to the NFL, much less the, the fan base, you know I mean? This is a guy that wakes up in the morning offended by everybody. So well, well, it, it that works whenever you're winning and doing great stuff. And they loved him whenever he was winning and doing great stuff. They're like, yeah, he has a chip on his shoulder. Well, when he's struggling, he has a chip on his shoulder uh, to you as well. So now you don't like it as much, you know. There's just they're, they're, I, I obviously if he can return, and it's a big if, but it's a huge if. If he can return to just uh, the form that. You talk about what the Saints need to do this offseason, and, and there's already been major changes. And fans always have these dreams, and, you know, a lot of times the offseason does not play out the best or the way that fans would hope it would because they're usually looking behind door A, which is all the best-case scenarios. And that's just not how it happens. If Michael Thomas comes back from his ankle injury that has limited him for two years and, and, and is back to at least a player he was – it will be the biggest addition to the Saints next season. Like, that's that's how big it potentially can be. Because you go from having just nothing in the receiving core outside of, you know, a guy that should be a number three or four in Callaway and, and a guy in Harris that's good at stretching the field, a bit undersized, but, like, again, not not a number one receiver, right? You go from that being, you know, the, 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 top, the, the top of the crop in your receiving core to – Oh, you got an all-pro and an NFL record holder, and prior to two years ago, a guy that was on pace to be a sure ballot Hall of Famer. You get that guy back, of all the changes this Saints offseason, and they're still going to go through a lot more, Gus, that's going to be the biggest addition. If he doesn't come back healthy, if he comes back and he and he re-injures it, or he's mad and he's fighting and he's upset, then it's going to be a disaster. Like, honestly, it will be, to me, and, and this is, a lot of people would say this is a hot take. I don't think so. 
the biggest aspect of next season in terms of the Saints' success or fail rate is going to have to do with number 13 and whether or not he's the number 13 from 2017, 2018, 2019 or the number 13 of the last two years. And if it's the last two years, the Saints are going to struggle. And if it's the guy prior to that, you could say, oh, one player doesn't make all the difference. I know it doesn't, especially when it's not the quarterback. But the gap between what the Saints have at receiver right now and what he is whenever he is on is so wide. It's so wide that when you throw it in there, it's so much, man. And I I think the biggest part of this offseason in terms of the Saints and whether they're going to be – you know, good or bad next year. The thing at the top of the list to me is Michael Thomas. And and some say that I'm overstating it or I'm exaggerating or it's hyperbole. That's just how I feel, Gus. I feel it's that important and it's that make or break. Well, to your point, I think the best way to look at it is sort of like this, like I was saying to people. You take away your personal feelings and just look at it from what you just saw this season, right? But if I say Devontae Adams, if I mention Cooper Cup, if I mention, you know, Tyreek Hill. DeAndre Hopkins when he was healthy. I mean, the Cardinals receiving core was totally different when he left. Yeah. I'm just picking guys right now that we saw this past season. Yeah. Um, That Stephon did. Like, guys that change the game, can score a touchdown. And our guys that when you put on a game on a Sunday and watch, you go, wow, top three, top five is here, right? Okay, well, that's Michael Thomas. I mean, to your point, I mean, that's, that's who he is. That's, I mean, he is Devontae Adams. He is one of those guys. I mean, he is one of those players that can get open when you need him to get open. He is one of those guys that can do that. Now, you know, Sure, the similarity. I mean, the difference is, I mean, he's not the guy that can catch and run. He's not Jamar Chase. I, I call Jamar Chase Michael Thomas' speed, right? He's a guy that has no things and runs good routes with good hands. But he can catch a three, four-yard pass or a slant and, and take it to distance. Michael Thomas can't do that. He hadn't done that. But doesn't mean he's still not great. elevates completely everybody else around him to where... You know, Todd McShay back on on Wednesday came out with his 2.0, and he specifically said, Scott, I know this probably excited you, tackle and receiver. Tackles, the defense position group. Tackle excites me. talented yeah. is the well, receiver, and that's what the Saints need, tackle and receiver. So at 18, 15, 14, if you want to move up, stay at 18, I think the Saints are going to have options to get a decent tackle because I don't think Teron Armstead is staying. I mean, you're already seeing the rounds on Pro Football Focus and other social media platforms. Teron Armstead photoshopping a Bengals jersey. I mean, if you're thinking, you know you're offering him money. And if you're the Saints, buy up and yours. You know, thanks for the memories. Good luck. And, uh, and hopefully he stays healthy for Joe Burrow. And I think it's a great fit for everybody. But... The Saints are going to have an opportunity to draft a good tackle. ESPN. Right, put him at left. So, and then you can get a receiver as well. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. I'm Scott. That is Gus Kattengill. We're going to take a break, come back. All-Star break has hit. NBA All-Star game is um, coming up this week. The Pelicans, where do they stand now at the All-Star break? What does the future entail? What's happening with Zion? There are two um, very, you know, two reports that are, extremely different in terms of who's hearing what we'll get into that 
And uh, as we said, college baseball starting tonight. We talked a little bit about it. Louisiana Raging Cajuns taking on UC Irvine and Eaters tonight over on our sibling station, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Drew Shiflett, the right-hander, will go tonight. Peyton Havard will go tomorrow. And Jeff Wilson on Sunday. Those are your starters. Expect to see a lot of different pitchers, though. It's going to be a lot of fun. The Pro Nola segment continues on the great Scott Show, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. ESPN. ESPN. Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. About now it's time to have some fun. The King at Rock, that is my name, and I know the fly spot where they got the champagne. We rode for six hours, then we hit the spot. The beat was a bumping, and the girlies was hot. The dude was staring like he knows who we are. We took the empty spot next to him at the bar, and PA said, Yo, you know this kid? I said, I did it, but I know he Welcome back into the great Scott show on a Friday. Scott Prather here with you with my guy, Guy Nola's segment. We talk Saints. We talk a little college baseball. Time to talk a little Pels. I'll hit on last night's game against Dallas in a little bit, but I want to talk to Gus more about where this team is at this point in the season. And, you know, Gus, if we had talked before the season about where the team would be come All-Star break, I think we would have all agreed they'd be playing better than they were at the beginning of the season. We certainly couldn't have seen what would unfold with Zion, the fact that he hasn't played yet, his future, or you know when he's going to play, if he's going to play. C.J. McCollum, the awful start, how they've kind of climbed out of it, still with a you know you know losing record, but can you get in the top ten in the West to play in? Sure, you can. Willie Green, the culture, a lot, just so much we couldn't have predicted. So as we get to the All Star break here with the Pels, where are you at with? Two, two parts. Where are you at with their short-term future? And I'm talking about specifically this season. And where are you at with where they're going to be, you know, next season and the season after? Because you see a team like Memphis that was at the Smoothie King Center earlier this week. Even with John Morant, you see how good they were. You see where they are in the standings. You see how feisty they are. I mean, let's be honest. You can be jealous. There's a lot that Memphis has right now that I think New Orleans would love to have. Yeah, and what's crazy is John Moran didn't even play in that game. And then he comes back, plays in the game, drops 44 against the Portland Trailblazers, all of a sudden the 86 Celtics and Josh Hart's Larry Bird. I mean, Josh Hart's dropping 25 plus a game for Portland, and, and they haven't lost the trade. And, man, I already had calls this week, Scott, of Portland won the trade, and, you know, the Pels have only won two games since. Uh, a one game since CJ McCollum's trade, and you know, I it, it's difficult, man. I I think you, you still have a very glaring issue on the team that you tried to solve and solve, and CJ McCollum helps it, but it's not solved. And Scott, unfortunately, in the NBA, it's like having a quarterback and not having one in the NFL. If you don't have a point guard, it, it's and in the Western Conference, you're, you're kind of up, you know, what's great without paddling, dude. And, you know, Devontae Graham struggles this year. And then Alvarado, while you love him to death, against the bigger and better guards in the West that have size on him, there's so much he can do. And that is something that they're going to have to address this offseason. You've got to find a true point guard that, you know, can help you score, can score, 
play defense. They just they don't have it, you know. I, and Montez are nice guy and all that stuff, and it's just man, you know that. And I can tell you this week the, the Garrett Temple, what does he have in Willie Green story likes to dominate bananas by fans, you know they. Well, I can't trade Murphy get out there. So there's still some growing pains, man. There's still some. I guess what I would say is this: Memphis has had the same coach since Jaw got there. He was there before Jaw. Um, it's primarily been the same team since he's been there, including a couple other draft picks in that same class. So I would say, Scott, the difference is continuity. To, you know. But men, it's on the court together. They know who they are. They created and found their identity three years ago. The Pels are in the midst of doing that, of finding who they are, creating an identity, and still trying to get their main piece on the floor, which is the gargantuan difference between Memphis and New York. Shaw has played Zion Hatton. So uh, until that happens, it just, you know, it, it's going to be what you see. Some good nights, some bad nights, and it just is where they are right now. So you have Jeff Duncan saying he's hearing Zion's going to play after the All-Star break. You have Christian Clark saying Zion could have a second surgery soon. Uh, all I know is that with respect to both of those guys, I, I, when it comes to Zion, I just believe stuff once it happens. You know, when, when David Griffin uses words like anecdotally because he can't even talk to the guy who is supposed to be the, you know, biggest piece to the franchise and everything else. Um, I, you know, everything's hush-hushed. What are they trying to hide? Do they even know if they do? Why are they hiding? If they don't, then why don't they know? We could go on and on. We have, but... I don't know. For me, I I have stood on, I don't think he's playing this year. Hopefully I'm wrong. You hear various reports. One says, you know, he could be having another surgery. Don't know if he's going to play this year. You hear another that says he could be back after the All-Star break. If he needs a second surgery, it means the fusion didn't work, right? That's what it means. That's not to say that he doesn't want to play. There's some conspiracy theorists out there that, oh, he's hot-dogging it, and he's just trying. I, I don't buy that. I mean, the guy's literally gone under the knife and then had a fusion. I think he wants to play. I generally do. I just don't think his body is letting him. Where are you at with the Zion situation? Has it changed at all? Or are you like me saying, you know what? Hopefully we see him next season because it ain't happening this year. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I said this at the very beginning of the season, too. When there was a foot or something like that, and he was, you know, over three bills, man. I mean, he absolutely was closer to four than he was to three, you know, at times. And my thing is, if he wasn't not going to play and at that time when they said, you know, they were ramping him down, I told you, I'm like, well, shut him down. Like, shut him down. Go get him that second surgery. Because even you brought up, you know, the Durant injury, which is similar. He did require a second surgery. Kevin's played since then. So, um, you know, this week, Ryan Windhorst from ESPN. You know, Joel Embiid, very similar. Injury plague start to his career, and Embiid's been an MVP candidate the last two years. So there is hope, and I actually do look at Zion as possibly, hopefully, like Joel Embiid. Immature at first, didn't really put the professionalism it takes in his body, didn't really work on his game, and then something snapped, dude, and now my leader. That guy's an MVP candidate, you know? So... It can happen. It's not over for Zion. But 
you know, both parties, and especially him, got to want to do. And I don't know who put it off or if there's fear or if not, but, you know, if I'm sitting here in February, we're almost to March, and I'm not here, then I'm like, well, let's go get it fixed. Because the longer you wait and eventually do get a surgery, if that's the way that you need to go, but it's got the longer he doesn't get into basketball shape and the longer he doesn't get into the gym, quote unquote, the lab and work on his game, then you, you have a situation where I'm frustrated about it. And it's not that he's not playing, it's the fact that you essentially had to waste a year, an entire calendar year, where if he can't run, but he can't work on his weight, he can't work on his game, he can't do anything. If you can't run, then how are you going to work on your post game? How are you dribbling and driving with your right hand, not just your left? How are you going to work on dunking again instead of being the layup king? How are you going to work on your defense moving laterally? I mean, that's what defense is, being able to move laterally and sprinting to one spot or another. I mean, that's something that no one's brought up. Even if a guy comes back and plays, the way the Pelicans play defense because they hustle and they run. And to do that defensively, they're planting, they're cutting, they're accelerating, they're stopping on a bad foot. I mean, I, I, I don't know why we're protect. Just shut it down. Shut it down. Go get work. I mean, I had a caller say while he's in there, get the works, man, you know. Get, uh, get wherever place he's going to give you the, the I don't know, the, the pro special. Lipo, gastro, foot surgery. Get it all done at once and just... I'll see you in September, but I, I, that guy, like, I, I, I'm looking at it like this. Everyone's looking at the date for next year. That guy needs to be, like, sweating in a gym by gym, right? Scott, I mean, like, he needs to be working out, doing basketball stuff, just absolutely drenched in sweat by gym. Like, that way he has your, quote-unquote, normal offseason where players get better in two to three months for the next season so he can be ready for September so you don't have minute restrictions and you actually have him ready to go in October. He's not overweight. He actually can dribble with his right hand and play defense, created a jump shot. Do any of that if you literally can't play basketball. So that's the fun for me. If he can't play by the All-Star break and which is this weekend and the first game of next Friday, then shut it down. Go wheel him into the place and get surgery, and then literally I lay out a program for when he gets better, how much weight to lose, what are you doing, and there's no, I'm shipping you to Oregon, or you're working out under other supervision. You hire this dude, Aaron Nelson, you put a million dollars in your facility, then go and hire the best in the world. To, I mean, go get the people that, like, you know, get Hugh Jackman and you know, what's his name to become Batman and stuff, you know, go get that guy to work on his body and go get the, go get Elijah Wan. Go get, I mean, <laughs> get the guy that turned Hugh Jackman into Wolverine. Jackman's always been Jack. Yeah. I mean, come on, you know, right? No, but I mean, you know what I'm talking about? Like you, you, you I mean, you know, like you, you have these people that literally can transform people. Um, they go get it done. Go get it done. And, and he has no option. You know, it's simple. You, you put that piece of paper in front of his face for that contract extension. And the second he says, sure, I'll do it. And from here on out, it's my rules. And that's how you have to approach it. But right now they're not. I don't think they're in the control that they want to be in. 
I can understand maybe from one aspect or the other side that they made adjustments to give him that control. But I mean, you just you can't have it, dude. Like, you can't tell me that an organization that's worth a billion dollars can't pay a person to help somebody get in shape, get healthy, if the other person's willing to do it as well. Like hire the best in the world. Get it done for six months. Get it done. If you don't like what we get afterwards, dude, I'll let you walk. But I need six months from you, full commitment. And I will give you six months full commitment. I'll hire the best of everything. Now you ain't gotta do nothing. Wake up, somebody hand you breakfast. Wake up, somebody hand you lunch. Wake up, somebody hand you dinner. But you gotta do it. You know, go to the gym, somebody will drive you there. Somebody will pick you up, somebody will work you out. Somebody will do your rehab. Like, do it though. You know, enough of this nonsense that you, that you see these two sides doing right now. And it's just, it's crazy, man. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Gus Cadengale has been our guest. Final question for you, Gus. Um, looking ahead post-All-Star break, is this team in the top 10 in the West, and where do you see them finishing when the regular season comes to a close? I think 10. I think I do see them in 10, and the main reason is, well, them in Portland going to be back. Uh, the Lakers are in trouble. Anthony Davis sprained his ankle right, uh, on Wednesday. And he's out, expected to be out two weeks. And Brian Windhorst Thursday morning sitting there saying, and, and I don't know if you noticed this week, there is a ton of chatter. Rich Paul is the agent for LeBron and AD, my friend. Because it's all about should they trade AD, when should they trade him, and it's the thing that they need to do is trade AD. Um, so I don't know if it was as green as he thought it was going to be. I mean, I was listening to Max Keyshawn and Jay Will on Thursday morning, they're, you know, debating if it's a real championship that AD has had. And that's what I've been saying, man. No one, you know, when you go to an organization like that, you're just another guy that is adding to the banners. But that legacy, that word that he used so much to want to be in, that was created by other people. Rather than creating your own legacy, all you're going to be doing is, oh, you're part of that team on a legacy-filled franchise. And no one ever considers to call AD a champ, do they? Like, no one talks about that championship, man. Um, so it is very interesting from that perspective because Windhorst then said the Lakers have to decide how much to play LeBron is dealing with knee soreness. That's interesting because they're ninth right now. And if they're going to start sitting LeBron in hopes that they can at least, because in their eyes, as Windhorst is saying, they're going to be ninth or tenth. So they're going to be in a playing game one way, shape, or form. Their goal is to have LeBron healthy for that playing game and then healthy for the playoffs. So if they sit him with no AD, the Lakers aren't going to be winning any games. So it's tradition that the Pels will be in L.A. for a play-in game. The Pels also out of the All-Star break, first two games, are the Lakers and Suns. Chris Paul hurt his hand. He likely won't be available for that series. AD is out. So the Pels will face the Suns and the Lakers without those two guys. They have got to start hot off of it, you know. We'll see what happens. I still think they got a shot at the 10, but again, I, I don't think anybody envisioned the Portland Trailblazers becoming, as Todd told me, the 86 Celtics and Josh Hart, now Larry Bird. <laughs> Gus Gangio, on that note, man, we're going to let you run. Good stuff. Uh, give him a follow on Twitter if you're not already, uh, at GCAT underscore 17, underscore 17. Check him out on ESPN 100.3. 
in New Orleans weekdays with the sports hangover noon to three. Guys, have a great weekend, man. Enjoy some college baseball. Um, enjoy, well, I'd say enjoy the weather. It's so up and down at this point. Enjoy life, man. Enjoy time with the fam. All the best, brother. Always good catching up, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Always a pleasure, Scott. Thank you, buddy. All right, good stuff with Gus as always. Coming up, 8.15, I will be joined by Louisiana Ragin Cajun Director of Athletics, Dr. Brian Maggard. What's happening with CUSA? What's, what's, what, what is the deal? Legal disputes, will they, won't they? We'll talk a little conference realignment. Cajun baseball season starts tonight. Drew Shiflett. We'll get the start tonight, and a lot of folks. That that really wasn't a surprise when they announced the starting lineups yesterday. I think I think some were anticipating Shiflet. Um, you know, some people were not anticipating Peyton Havard or or I guess Jeff Wilson maybe starting on Sunday. But the reality is, this is going to change. This is going to change the, the the odds of this being your Friday, Saturday, Sunday guy. Come conference play midseason into the season, it's rare. It's I'm not saying it's never happened before, but it's rare. You're going to see a lot of different players this weekend. A lot of depth in the outfield. I mean, we're here, man. Seventh inning stretch tonight. Put me in coach. Cajun baseball. It's going down. We'll talk more about that next hour as well. Pell's game last night against the Mavs. Look ahead to what's happening this weekend. We'll talk Cajun hoops. The men's game yesterday. Lot coming your way. Don't go anywhere. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. KPEL Lafayette, ESPN 1033, K277DQ Lafayette, a Town Square media station, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Give me all you got. Welcome back. Great Scott Show on a Friday. Louisiana Raging Cajun Director of Intercollegiate Athletics, AD, Dr. Brian Maggard, scheduled to join me shortly, about 8.15. Got a lot to get into with him. Opening night for Raging Cajun Baseball. Cajun hoops last night. The women didn't play. The men did. And they won a close game late. They finished late. I mean, I, I think for some of you, you were, I maybe some of you were anticipating disaster. But Kobe Julian, the fourth-year freshman, redshirt freshman, fourth-year freshman, uh, got to the free-throw line and got it done. Two seconds left, it's a free-throw, Cajuns go up by one and leave Fant Hewing Coliseum with a victory. Jordan Brown... 
big stat line for him, 26 points, seven boards, four assists. But I think the big story was really Jalen Dalcourt and what he gave them off the bench. Four threes for him. The team didn't make a ton, but he did. He was four six. And they've been missing that element of the offense consistently, but last night he was able to give them that and a team-high 16 points for him. And then, of course, Kobe Julian, 15 points, five boards, a couple of assists. Bray and AU played, gave them offense early. And it was kind of a back-and-forth game of runs. But in the end, the Cajuns got the win. And now they will host ULM in the home finale tomorrow. Women will be uh, on the road against ULM. Pels lost last night to the Mavs, 118-125. They, they, defensively, they've, there are obviously some issues since Josh Hart has been gone and since McCollum got there, and they're still long-term. I, I don't know that the defense is going to be considerably bad. Not that it was ever really great. They tried to make a run of it late. They scored Dallas scored Dallas by 17 in the fourth, but ultimately just too big of a hole. Way too big of a hole. McCollum dropped 38. He played the most, 40 minutes. But the team's not getting much. A lot of DNPs off the bench. Only about an eight-man rotation last night, and now they head into the all-star break, and they got a lot of work to do. Uh, Herb Jones will be in all-star weekend for uh, the Rising Stars game. McCollum will be in the three-point contest. As for the rest of the team, they're going somewhere to rest. Pell's two games back in the 10 spot when they come out of the all-star break. Still plenty of games left to be played, but they got work to do. As I mentioned, for the baseball fans out there, for the college baseball fans out there, Today is one of their favorite days of the year. Opening day, baby. Opening day. And uh, over at MLT Moorefield at Russo Park, Louisiana, hosting UC Irvine, Anteaters. Ben Orloff, head coach of UC Irvine, brings his squad in here. The 99th season for the Raging Cages. And the last time they opened against a ranked opponent was 2019 against Texas, and there were a lot of storylines in that one. Gunnar Leger coming into the game playing late. The fact that it was Texas, and it went down to the final inning. It was a close game. Texas got the win, but this the beginning of this schedule, when you look at a UC Irvine, a Southern Miss, a La Tech, La Tech, you know, they're, they're ranked 15th in the country. And then, you know, next weekend in Round Rock in Austin, you got number five Stanford on this because you got number two Arkansas. Five of the seven games here in this month are against ranked opponents. Let's go. Drew Shiflett. Speaking of Texas, Texas transfer. Getting the start tonight for Louisiana. We're going to talk about some of the things happening out at Russo Park with our next guest. A recent donation from Home Bank to the U Athletic Department. What does that mean? How long is the is the coach hiring process? Not for a head coach, but for an assistant, just to get through the system. Just some curiosity questions. In the in Conference USA versus the Sun Belt. What is the latest there in terms of we're not letting you guys leave and the three schools saying 
Peace. We're out of here. All of that and more coming up next with our guest, Louisiana Raging Cajun Director of Athletics, Dr. Brian Maggard, in studio right after this on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket. You, my friend. I'm glad I did this test on you, the friendship test. What? You got the best seat in the house. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. Sports talk that's so legit, it smells like beer and chicken wings. I mean... Can't you smell it? I'm smelling barbecue, too. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. Welcome back the great scotch show playing some beastie boys for my guy dr brian maggard he likes to mix up album all instrumental great uh, beat scott a nico is like uh he's a he he's hardcore into it so he, he and i always have something to talk about <laughs> the louisiana raising cajun director of inter intercollegiate director of athletics did i get it right no the director no. of athletics director of intercollegiate athletics ad Vice President, that's it. Vice President of Intercollegiate. That's what it is. I try to get the... Oh, mercy. (laughs) Excuse me. (laughs) Official title. Um, Sorry, there's a lot going on right now, as you know. Um, You guys have been extremely busy, but Cajun Baseball, the season tonight. Opening Um, night. Opening night. You had an opening night two years ago. You had one last year, but obviously everything was different with, with COVID and everything. And I remember two years ago, and it was a very emotional night, and... It was the first game without Robe, and it was a tough, close loss, but there's something about the atmosphere. We say this about Lamson Park, too, honestly. There's just something about the atmosphere at uh, MLT Moorefield at Russo Park that just being at the ballpark, you can't recreate it. I, I know, not to say that your job's easy by any stretch, but in terms of like selling tickets, obviously you want the program to be good and everything else, but when the atmosphere is what it is, it kind of is a selling point every year, no matter no matter what's going on. That's right. It helps immensely. You know, we have such a passionate and loyal fan base when it comes to our two diamond sports, right? Uh, both baseball and softball. So, you know, pushing ticket sales is not something you really have to do. You don't have to push, right? They they sell organically, and um, you know, just again, you have such a great fan base that comes out and supports. So. Tonight's going to be exciting. It's going to be a great weekend. You know, a little chilly tonight, so dress warm. Uh, Sodexo or Concessionaire will be selling lots of hot chocolate. So, you know, we may have more hot chocolate sales and beer sales tonight, but uh, it's all good. And, you, want, uh, you want to bet on that? No, I don't want to bet on it, but <laughs> hey, bring the kids, right? And they can drink a lot of hot chocolate. Yeah. Know, my mom and dad consume something else. But no, I, I'm very excited. It's going to be fun. Um, and then a beautiful day tomorrow, and I believe Sunday as well, you know. So, but a great opponent in Cal Irvine, I think, number 23, maybe? Uh, 14. 14. That's what I meant. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, 14. That's right. I I saw 23 for something else the other day. No, it wasn't that. So you are right. It's 14. And so, um, great opponent, great test for the Cajuns. Uh, we're going to see, you know, what we have and, uh, certainly win or lose. That doesn't make or break the season, but, uh. I'm, I'm just really excited. I think uh, if, if this team has half the tenacity that, that Coach Degg says they do, we're going to be really good and, and really tough. Do you ever, like, talk to Coach Deggs about 
work and he suddenly just wants to like run through a wall or <laughs> go like on like a mission or something. Yeah, he's always in t- you know, no matter what conversation we're having, you know, he'll just kind of look at you, lean back and something about his voice. It, there's it, always, there's it, always it, an intensity. In I, it. That's it. Like I, I try to describe <laughs> it to people and I, I do like him and I have not to say that I don't have good conversations with him. I do, but it's so I'll ask him a question and then. I don't know if he's about to laugh because he thinks it's funny or if he's about to, if he's giving it deep thought. But there's this, um, and I, I've told people this since, you know, the first few times I ever talked to Coach Deggs, there is always an intensity to everything that mm-hmm. he does. Yeah. It's just innate. Like he, I guess he was just born with it. And I know, <clears throat> excuse me, I know he's been open about his journey and, right. and being sober for yep. a number of years now. But that guy, I mean, if you if you want someone in your foxhole, good mm-hmm. Lord. No doubt. I mean, he's no going to. He's dynamic. He you likes know. to scrap. Yeah, even his his regular conversations are dynamic. Right? Yeah, he's a great speaker publicly. Uh, but he's just a guy who's um, he's very focused. He really is. And that's that's a good word for and, it. Yeah. Uh, but you know, you combine that focus with intensity, and again, you know, let's put all that together this year. Like he said at our uh, uh, first pitch social, you know, we just got to go win. Got to go do it. And uh, I know he's ready this year. I think he feels extremely well about his squad, uh, his coaching staff. And uh, so hopefully all the pieces of that puzzle are to get put together and we can uh, go out and make Cajun Nation proud. How, how are, where are ticket sales in terms of if, for folks that maybe they're listening right now? Mm-hmm. They're like, I got to get in on this. Yeah, you want to get in tonight for sure because uh, it, it is not sold out, but there are limited tickets available. It's limited. I couldn't give you a number, but it's don't wait around too long if you're really considering coming out tonight. Again, dress warm. It's going to be chilly. We know that. But it's also opening night in uh, at Russo Park, beautiful facility, as you said. I think it's going to be electrifying. Uh, so under the lights, great opponent, but we have a great team. And so, again, come out and get your tickets. Go to the Cajun Dome box office, avoid those Ticketmaster online fees, and uh, just be ready to have some fun tonight. Head over to the Cajun Dome, buy a ticket, cross the street, go. There's general mission. Mm-hmm. Um Softball-wise, I know that they opened their season last week. Again, great atmosphere. What are, what are I think <clears throat> there were only outfield tickets maybe left in terms mm-hmm. of for the season. My dad's a, a season ticket holder yes. for softball, by the way. He yes. loves UL softball. Um, where, where, how many are left in general, like uh, season tickets? Well, I know the entire grandstand is full from a season ticket selling standpoint, so you're not going to get a, a ticket, a single-game ticket there or, or a season ticket if you're trying to do that. So... You know, I don't know what the exact number is. I mean, there's there's plenty in the outfield. So if you wanted a season ticket, uh, certainly you could you could get that. Um, and then obviously you can buy single game tickets in the outfield as well. But again, just very very uh, grateful. You know, for our fan base who've stepped up this year. I think it's to your point, Scott. You know, between the twenty season and the twenty one season, you know, people are just very hungry for their diamond sports here. And uh, both teams, you know, uh, Jerry has jumped out to a six and zero start, uh, crushing it. You know, pitching is phenomenal. Hitting's, you know, very good. Scoring a lot of runs, uh, preventing our opponents from hardly scoring at all. So, very excited. But they know that team next Thursday, huge matchup against number two Alabama coming into town. And so, I think that'll be a true test for us to kind of really see where we are. But uh, I like the way we performed this past weekend. And on Tuesday night, we're beating the teams the way we should. And uh, But next Thursday, it'll be a good litmus test for us. Dr. Maggard, our guest, ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Um, Home Bank, you guys had a big announcement this week. They made a a $1 million donation. They will now 
uh, be the name of the track and field and uh, soccer facility. facility. They'll have their name on it. But I know that in the release and, and a lot of what was announced was that a big part of that donation is going to Cajun Field renovations. What we hear $1 million mm-hmm. on the outside. We're like, I guess that obviously it's a big number. It helps. Specifically, just I guess in layman's terms, what is that? How much would a Cajun field renovation in terms of what you want to do? Like how big of a piece of the pie is a donation? That big? Well, you know, if you're looking at a uh, $60 million facil- facility, it's one sixtieth, right? <laughs> that, But uh, no, anytime you get a seven-figure gift, it's uh, it's extremely impactful. And, and not that all gifts are not, don't get me wrong. You know, a $20,000, $10,000 gift is certainly welcome. But when you get those seven-figure gifts, um, it's those are needle movers, right? Those allow you to you know, really generate a lot of excitement, I think, when you're able to announce it both locally and nationally. Uh, But, you know, in terms of uh, getting closer to that uh, full cup of money that you need, it does move the needle in that regard. So very grateful for Home Bank, uh, particularly the president and CEO, John Bordelon, who's a a former UL football player, uh, a former uh, board of trustees chair. Um, He's a gentleman who's just, he and his family, his wife are, greatly invested in UL, and I'm really appreciative of him, his leadership, and, and all of Home Bank for making this commitment to us because it's, it's a big deal. Where are we at in terms of Cajun field renovations? Like, yeah. how, uh-huh. what's, the, what's the process what's like? The and- Where are we are? That's a good question. So, you know, we've raised roughly 34 to $35 million, right? And then we've got a little bit more to go in that space, and then uh, you'll see us starting to really put together our sales plan for the premium seating products. You got uh, suites, we have loge boxes, and we have uh, club seats, right? We, we're down the road pretty well with the suite sales already. But uh, so you'll see us starting to hear oh, over the next probably several weeks start to ramp up our plans for uh, club seat sales and loge box sales, right? Um, within terms of the timeline, you know, we are uh, waiting on the university to issue uh, what's called an RFQ, Request for qualifications. Mm-hmm. That is then followed by an RFP process, request for pricing. Right, so you go through that exercise to to give everybody a fair opportunity to bid and and, and, and apply. You then identify, you know, your architect and your construction manager. You know, at the end of that request for pricing process, sign a contract and get rolling. Right now, we've we've done some preliminary, and so I feel good about from a design standpoint. We we've done some. We've taken a little bit of a unique approach, and we've done some preliminary design work. So we're a little bit further ahead than what you might normally be when you start that RFQ, RFP process, right? Internally, we are. And so anyway, you know, if, if the stars align, right? And, you know, I don't want anybody to hold me to this. I want to be clear about that. But if the stars align, hopefully we're starting demo uh, immediately after the 22 season, uh, having uh, Cajun Field fan-friendly and safe, for the 23 season, right, with, with seating disruption. We know that. And then uh, Perfect World, we're opening the renovated stadium prior to the 24 season. Gotcha. But a lot of things have to line up, right? Sure. We got to get there through There are a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of moving parts in this. And, and you know, our process, yeah, financing is a big deal. Financing is a big deal. We have uh, our university and foundation uh, working very hard on lining up financing, right? That's a big deal in what we're trying to do. And so uh, we got to get the... We've got to get the issuance of an RFQ, RFP done. We've got to get financing finalized uh, and get the get the design going here further down the road to allow us to meet those deadlines that I just Sure. Mentioned. 
And look, it's easy for me to say, look, it's past time. And I think mm-hmm. it is, but it's not like the process just started. No. It's such a long process before it you is. even begin demo. It really is. It, but it, it is, it, it, it's, it needs the, the plastic surgery. It does. You know, oh, it without a doubt. Surgery. We are so far behind. I mean, it's not even, it's not even funny anymore, right? Sure. Cajun Field is, is not a venue that uh, should house a top 25 football program. And it's going to be hard to continue, I think, your, your, your national ranking you know, if you don't, if you settle for that, for that type of facility. So it's, it's had its, uh, it's outgrown its shelf life. It's served, I think, you know, UL and Raging Cajun football very well, right? But uh, it's time and we've, we've got to step up. We've got to find a way to get this done. And uh, I'm very excited about the opportunity ahead of us. Preliminary renovations. When you say that, I, I, this, this has been, I guess, a sticking point for some fans, and I know it's something that you guys have never really had control over. Uh, and it, I guess it's probably a small detail in the grand scheme of things. Great crowd on the home side, and then mm-hmm. on the other side of the stadium, there mm-hmm. are empty seats there. And I know the actual, if, if I'm, I, I heard this, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, the actual number of uh, seating and capacity might actually go down a little bit, which isn't bad, no. certainly in today's day and age of college football, not just here, but everywhere. But in terms of like with renovations, where you're filming and and yeah. the, the 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 culture videos, they're great, right? The recruiting tool that that provides, and you're seeing the highlights. And I mean, I'm I'm at games, and then I'm seeing the highlights, and it's like, man, there was a lot more people there than than what this video would suggest. And mm-hmm. then you have ESPN come to town, whatever. Is that is that part of the consideration when you're when you guys are? I don't even know how you would do it, right? How you would change something like that? Am I rambling here? Is this? Yeah, sense? it's a ramble. <laughs> it's. Uh, <laughs> but you get what I'm if, saying. If like, you're asking, are we going to flip the? Correct. No, we're not going to flip. So we'll continue to uh, video from the west side, right? Now we we know and we continue to try to find ways to to fill in, so to speak, that east side. We we need to make that east side much more attractive. So we do have some uh, thoughts and plans uh, that are you know in the works of finding out how can we finance some things over there and do some things differently to create a much more engaging atmosphere for both our students and the general fan base to want to be over there. So as an example, um, we're, we're trying to, to get some financing done here to, to make sure we have a ribbon board, you know, in that space over that overhang. Now, that's not necessarily a, a fan amenity, so to speak, for the east side. But we're also, uh, we want to work on re- really uh, uh, renovating those concession spaces over there. And if we can find ways to turn those into more of a bar restaurant uh, environment mm-hmm. as opposed to just a concession bay, mm-hmm. that's something we're exploring now. So in essence, so if you're sitting over there on the east side, you've got a almost like a bar restaurant type feel over there as opposed to just walking up to a concession bay. Uh, we're also trying that we're looking at uh, some uh, at the top of the concourse, right? So not in the bleachers, but at the very top of that concourse, some premium seating options for people. Uh, entry-level premium seating options that would just, again, get more fans over there, uh, give them a good experience. So if they have that and then they can, you know, right behind them would be these kind of bar restaurant type feels, you know, then we're hoping that that will get, uh, you know, students a little bit more engaged and excited about coming to our games as well as a general fan base sitting over on that side. Well, you guys make changes each year. Um, And I guess you have to, right? You're constantly evolving. I know last year, talking to a couple of students i mean having moving the student tailgate was was a was yeah, huge right. you know that was a big part of it and changing the fan experience you know um 
it's just different now. I mean, when I was in college, and I didn't go to UL, but I went to school without a football team. But it was the idea of like a, a college football atmosphere. It didn't. The atmosphere was in terms of the amenities mattered, but really it was: is the team winning? Are they good? Mm-hmm. Right? And UL's got the longest winning streak in the country, and that's that is a big draw for a lot of people. But as you know, kind of for a younger generation, they they want even more, right? right. Their attention. Yeah. It's like I. It's <laughs> you're. How difficult is it to? Never rests on your laurels yeah. and constantly evolve every single year. Yeah, I don't know if it's difficult. It's just, it's just you got to be mindful and intentional about doing it, right? We we every year, you know, we we quality control and even during the season, right? When we enter the season with a plan, we're always you know QCing it, so to speak, and uh, seeing what's working and what's not. What you know, what tweaks can we make if uh-huh. we need to? But then certainly at the end of the year, you know, we sit there and evaluate and say, okay, what. Can we do different? Now, we know, again, we've had ideas to try to enhance and up, upgrade the east side uh, ever since I've been here. And, and just candidly, we haven't done a whole lot in that space, right? But as we get ready to roll out a renovated stadium, you know, I'd really like to see us be able to do some of these upgrades that I spoke of um, on the east side, certainly before the 23 season, right? Because if the upper deck is down, there's going to be a lot of people we're going to have to move to the south end zone or the east side for sure. that 23 season. And candidly, there are going to be some people in the lower west bowl that's going to have to move because we will end up the way we're going to design some of the premium products. We're going to eat up some of the top rows on that west side in the lower bowl. So a lot to a lot to you know figure out here in a short amount of time. But uh, I'm just a firm believer if we can continue to Find a way to make that east side more attractive. You know, get a, get away from that general mindset of, oh, here's a concession stand. Just walk up and do it. Let's let's kind of create a, I call it a, a, a bar-like atmosphere, right, for people to go over there, hang out, have a good time. Um, we think we can continue to grow the grow the uh, number of bodies over there. Awesome stuff. Dr. Brian Maggard, our guest, Louisiana Rage Occasion Director of Athletics. I'm Scott Prather. This is ESPN Lafayette. Best ticket in sports are coming to you from the ESPN Lafayette studio, sponsored by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers Sportsbook app, the best Louisiana sports betting experience. Learn more at betrivers.com. Uh, we got more to get into. I, I, I want to shift gears now to uh, the coach hiring process, and not when it comes to a head coach, because you and I have discussed that quite a bit. Um, you've hired a few since you've been the AD, and, and we've talked about it. When it comes to like an assistant, um, a head coach wants to wants to have you know a, a person on the staff, a guy, a gal, whatever. How long does that process usually take? Because I know that it's you guys can't make an announcement until a lot of eyes have been dotted mm-hmm. and T's been crossed. So, in 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 is it does it vary or is it usually the same amount of time? Like, okay, here's the person. We're not worried there's going to be any hang up, but we really can't announce right. anything until. X, Y, and Z happens. What's how long is that process usually, and, and why does it why does it take a little? Well, this is just yeah. More of a well, I think thing. you know, candidly, there's just a, there's some bureaucracy involved in, in any type of hiring process. So it's not specific to UL, right? But when you know, uh, human resources has some steps that you know everyone has to take before a hire can really be announced because you don't want to get out in front of something, announce it, and then all of a sudden, you know, something goes wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Now, the likelihood of that is very slim, right? But we just want to be good partners with the university to make sure that we don't get out there too far ahead and announce. But, you know, you've got to, ultimately, you've got to post a job. You've got to wait a certain number of days before you can close that posting. 
and then that you identify the candidate. You submit that name. There's a process that that a human resources goes through everything from background checks to degree confirmation to all these things. So there's a lot of steps, right, that a lot of people on campus have to go through in order to, to make the higher official. So we work very closely with the Office of Human Resources and try to be great partners with them um, to make sure that, <clears throat> again, we are following all the guidelines necessary, but understanding that, you know, right or wrong, the sport industry seems to move at a little bit quicker pace, right? Because uh, the the job opportunities are very competitive. You know, if you're out trying to hire an assistant football coach, as an example, you know, that person might have two or three offers on the table. And so if you delay it too long, you're going to lose that person. Uh, so, but again, we do go through a process. We work with campus on that. And, uh, you know, quite often we will know internally, you know, who the person is, but we just try to make sure that we don't uh, step out of bounds and, and, you know, put something out there publicly before uh, the T's have been crossed and the I's dotted. So there's not necessarily, it, it, it varies in terms of amount of time, but when it comes to sports, it, it might move a little quicker than some other aspects. Well, I don't know if it necessarily moves quicker. We just, we know that we need to move quickly and, and you know, try to push things through and work right. closely with human resources to help get things finalized. You're not um, just like, here you go. You might say, here you go. And the next day, like, hey, how's, how's it going with that? And the next day, where are we at with that? That's right. Staying you know, on top of it. Again, we have good partners on campus. So, uh, you know, we have people in human resources that work very hard. UL does have quite a few uh, s- approval uh, signatures required. And uh, so, you know, it goes through that. But the good news is it's all done electronically. So you can kind of go in. You know, it kind of starts with me, you know, as the uh, the hiring agency, if you will. You know, I, I click approve, and it has a few more stops uh, and, and things like that. And then, uh, obviously, you got the, the financial side where, you know, your your university budgeters are making sure they're documenting everything. So, yeah. it's all good. You know, yeah, it, it, I, uh, it takes a minute. It does take a minute. But at the same time, we uh, it's a process that we work through, and we've never, you know, not benefited from trying to hire somebody. Last curiosity question in regards to that um head coach salaries there people can go figure it out it's online mm-hmm. you guys don't shy away from when you hire a coach you literally give us here are all the details when an assistant coach leaves in season out mm-hmm. of season whenever is there and how do those contracts are that do they vary by coach if a coach is just like all right yeah we might be in the spring ball but i've got this offer so i'm leaving is there uh, do they owe anything or mm-hmm. is it just kind of, is it amicable? You know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. So yeah, there's always buyout clauses even for the assistant coaches. And so it's usually a percentage of the base salary based on when they leave, right? So it's either, uh, I think if memory serves, you know, the first 120 days, it might be 45% of their base salary. And after that, um, uh, up until a certain time when their contract might end, it might be uh 35% or 30%, something like that, right? It, it's a decrease. But yeah, there's, so there's a, usually a buyout involved and, and the, uh, the the program that they're going to typically takes care sure. of that. So Florida's written you some pretty big checks in the last year. <laughs> well, we're still waiting, but yeah, they will. Still waiting? <laughs> That's right. On all of them or? It was just one, you know, and it's just Coach Napier's buyout because the way his assistance contract, you know, he, the, his assistants were tied to him, right? So they were on two-year deals, but if he were no longer the head coach, then in essence, um, there was no obligation on our part or their part. So every one of them. So like Coach Couch just... It, yeah. But, okay. And and there was another coach that left. It didn't go to Florida, but... So you guys still haven't gotten the, the check from Florida for... We're waiting. We're still waiting, but we are in communication with them, and they had to go through and 
an approval process. You know, when you're, when you're How talking long does about that tie up some of the things you want to do? Oh, it, it doesn't really, but it's not like we're sitting there, you know, anticipating, hey, let's get you this. You know it's coming. We know it's coming. Sure. That's right. Yeah. So we're, so we're, we're fine. Business as usual. We're fine. All right. We're I fine. Swear, you know, come on. <laughs> I'm about pushing things along. I'm about to call Scott over there That's in Gainesville. Right. Be like, right. here's the pin. Yeah. Our CFO's in contact here's with their the CFO and, uh, no, it's all, it's is that, all is very that amicable. Normal? I mean, because yeah. folks yes. can hear that and be like, whoa, whoa. I mean, it, it sounds like this is. Yeah. They had to go through an approval process. Uh, you know, to to write a check like that, and uh, and he's probably still hiring another fifty or sixty people. No know. doubt, you know. So they're they're trying to hang on to that money, I'm sure. But no, it's uh, it all works out well, and it it all works out in the wash, as they would say. Sure, sure. You're still able to put a pen to paper and see, okay, we can do this, 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 yes. and when it gets here, we'll, right. you know, well, it'll mm-hmm. be official, so it's not really a big mm-hmm. deal. All right, forty after the hour. Speaking of uh, buyouts and leaving and things like that, there is a lot of fans. Asking about Conference USA and mm-hmm. the future of the Sun Belt. I got a few questions for you on that. You're good to hang out for one Absolutely. more segment. You bet. That is Louisiana Rage Education Director of Athletics, Dr. Brian Maggard. I am Scott Prather. We will be right back right after this. ESPN Lafayette. E to the S to the P to the N. The best ticket in sports. Welcome back. Into the Great Scott Show. I'm Scott Prather. Dan Patrick coming up at 9. Brad Topham has got a show loaded with baseball content for those of you that want to get ready for uh, opening day, tonight's game. The color analyst for UL Baseball, owner of the Jambalaya Shop, <laughs> will, uh, will be on. He's excited. Get your socks ready for the game, for the atmosphere tonight. You might have to wear two pairs of socks. It's going to be a little chilly. Bring your jackets, but um, it's going to be awesome. Hot chocolate. That's some, what, $2 Natty Lights and beer specials happening? Yes, sir. $2 Natty Lights. and uh, I just love the, the, so, the array of beer selections. That's right. I think, so I think I, you know, doing a good job in that space. Uh, it's going to be really cold beer. I say um, that like I go and drink it. No, I just kind of go know, in the press right. box and walk around. And peruse lot, the One day I'm just going to go and like just sit down and just not work and just drink a bunch of beer. Or drink a, a responsible <laughs> amount of beer. Let me say that. A responsible amount of beer. One day, I'm going to do that. That's what a lot of folks do. Dr. Maggie's looking at me. Let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, speaking of beer, real quick. Uh, Patty in the Park is happening March 17th, y'all. St. Patty's Day, sponsored by Bud Light Next and Go Auto Insurance. It's downtown Lafayette Park International. You got Clay Cormier. You got my guy, Wayne Toops. You have some great artists from... Back when Dr. Magger was clubbing. Rob Bass, it takes two to make it. Th- you know that one? No. Yeah, absolutely. Quad City DJs. Yeah. Tone Loke. Remember Tone Loke? Funky Cole Funky Medina. Funky Cole Medina. Uh, it's going to be a great lineup. You can get your tickets now at eventbrite.com. $20. Buy them now. Kids 12 and under get in free. $25 day of. So you want to get your tickets ahead of time. That is Patty in the Park. Sponsored by Bud Light Next and Go Auto Insurance. 
So what comes next for the Sunbelt Conference? Um, let's start with James Madison. They are not part of Conference USA. Um, they let it be known that they were planning on joining the Sunbelt. I think when we talked about conference realignment, maybe over the summer, there was talk of, you know, James Madison, ideally, the the, the expectation is they'll be there next year. But from a football standpoint, they're going to have to not be in the Sunbelt in football and other sports. Um, where, where is James Madison in regards to their future in the Sun Belt across the board? Yeah, no, they're all in. So, uh, you know, starting on July 1, officially, uh, you know, James Madison will be in in all sports uh, to include football. And um, and then, you know, I think we're anticipating. Certainly, I can't give official comment because I don't have it, but we anticipate that the other three schools will be as well. Is this just a... I guess just you and obviously you'd just be like, I can't say. So I ask you questions and maybe you can't say. It feels like maybe a legal dispute and Kusa's just trying to possibly get some more finances out of this thing. I mean, I, I know the Sunbelt hasn't released a statement yet. Right. Is it a matter of, well, when when some lawyers give Keith an okay mm-hmm. and then he can? More than likely. I think that's the case. You know, I don't know if that's the exact uh, approach, but I think uh, I'm with you, Scott. It kind of makes sense that we'll... Uh, you know, we'll wait until uh, we, being the Sun Belt, are given the green light to make an official announcement, and and if and when that occurs, then we'll do it. How often do you and the other eighties talk about this? Quite a bit, quite a bit. You know, whether it's just you know through phone calls and things like that, and you know, sometimes it's in in group uh, uh, visits. Otherwise, you know, it's just kind of you guys have a little one-on-one. text chain going on. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You always have that going, but uh, you know, we always delete them right after. <laughs> 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 but uh, oh, no. but no but a lot and the, but there's a lot of phone calls too you know whether it's uh, Brent Jones at Troy giving me a call I'm, I still serve as a chair my my chairmanship ends uh, this spring so after the spring meetings in Destin uh, I will turn the chair over to Jared Benko who's the AD at Georgia Southern um, but uh, so I think you know being in that chair you get a lot of people right coming there's, at you they're, they're calling um, you and I do have a lot of communication with Keith you know in this position moving forward will be Jared for the next year. And, but, um, no, it's, uh, you know, we're all patiently waiting. Uh, we read, you know, in the media what uh, everybody else does. But, uh, again, if you're asking me, um, my guess is, is it will be a 14-member conference. The expectation has not changed since what you told That's me correct. in the summer. That's correct. Um, were you surprised when Coos released their schedule? Or were you anticipating that? Not really, that? no, no. I mean, I think, you know, they have their reasons for doing what they have to do and, you know, I, I mean, I can actually respect it. So it's nothing personal. No, nothing personal at all, at all. So, uh, and uh, you know, who knows? But I just think that uh, I think it'll all get resolved. I Good. Really do. Is it? Are the schedules kind of set, assuming it gets resolved, or do you still have to wait to set future schedules? Once no, I think uh, once there's probably you know a, a level of anticipation uh, that's going into. Certainly, the twenty-two schedules and beyond. Sure. Right? That's what I mean, and, right. right? And so, um, I, I know the Sun Belt will be prepared. So, a lot of that work has likely been done, but you can't mm-hmm. really That's right. move forward with it until things are that official. last thing is. is but, you know, we've talked a lot, I guess, about process. Mm-hmm. This is one of those things in regards to process. Yeah. But if the expectation of those four, uh, well, certainly one is in the other three, that comes to fruition. We've talked about it a lot. It's worth noting again. I mean, I'm looking at those schools in terms of attendance in basketball. A lot of folks have talked about James Madison and, and softball, football, the natural rivalry potentially with Southern Miss. Um, 
I don't know. It's it's I, I maybe maybe the excitement has waned a little just because it's been talked about so mm-hmm. much and it's almost here or it's expected to almost be here. But it's worth repeating how how great this oh yeah if this comes to fruition, which is the expectation is going right. to be for the conference. Absolutely, you know you're going to uh, be 14 members strong. Uh, those those uh, four new schools that we're adding, I think, are going to bring a tremendous amount of competitive excellence to the table, right? But when you think about it, you know, one thing that people don't really know yet, you know, you look at programs like Old Dominion and and James Madison, like they're going to dwarf the rest of us from a budgeting standpoint. They live in the $50 million budget space. And, you know, as we talk about moving forward, we're going to have to, you know, we're not just worried about keeping up with the Joneses outside. We now are going to have to elevate what we do um, even amongst our conference. And so, you know, we live probably in the $35 million space at UL. And so we've got, you know, we're $15 million behind. And I'm just telling you, that's significant. So, you know, you're going to see us have a concerted effort and we got to get to that $50 million space. And it's going to be through ticket sales and, and uh, RCAF membership growth and things like that. But we've got to do it if we want to be competitive. The evolution of college sports, uh, it continues. It's been a great conversation. Uh, it's game day, as, co- as uh, Dr. Magger loves to say. It's Wear Red Friday. Uh, it is baseball tonight. Let's, let's circle back to how we started. MLT Moorefield at Russo Park against number 14 UC Irvine. Uh, for folks that don't have tickets yet, Go to the cage or don't yes. get them, so you avoid yeah. all the ticket fees. That's right. Now, again, if you if you need that premium experience and and not have to get out, just be prepared. You're going to pay some ticket fees, right? I see I see some chatter out there, understandably so. That you know, hey, gosh, these exorbitant ticket fees. Well, that's just part of it, unfortunately, right? So if you can get to the box office, go do it. You'll save a tremendous amount of money on on fees. But if you can't and you need that luxury and that convenience. And just look at it as a luxury tax, so to speak, that's hey. put on. But that's, listen, that's across the board. That's, right. that's America, right? It's not that's not, that's not Correct. I mean, and if, I, so, if the, the, the comparison I use a lot is, look, I can, if I want to pick up some food, I can call the restaurant and go pick it up. Mm-hmm. I want a waiter. Uber Eats or waiter or something like that. Those, there's going to be a extra more. fees, right? right. And, the food, and the food might be cold. Right. Even. It's convenient, I but I could also just go pick it up. That's right. And I, right. I avoid those fees. I mean, it's, it's the same yeah. thing, and that's that's true of concerts, sports, mm-hmm. wherever uh, wh- wherever you're looking. Um, but it's going to be fun. It's going to be an electrifying night, even you know with the cold weather. And uh, again, just wear a heavy coat, bring a blanket if you need to, some gloves, bring some uh, money for refreshments, and have a great time. Can't wait. We'll see you out of the ballpark tonight, Dr. Maggot. I appreciate you coming in. It's great to see you. My pleasure. Thank we'll you. We'll be talking again, uh, I'm sure, in the future. Stay tuned. Dan Patrick's next. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports.